Welcome to the Grit and Wit podcast, a show for ambitious female business owners that want to grow irresistible brands. If you're running a business and juggling family commitments and often your sanity, well, you're in the right place. I'm Liz from Elevate and I'm your host. I'll be chatting with inspiring guests who are sharing their stories and practical advice to help you navigate the highs and lows of building a business with grit and wit. Hello and welcome to the Grit and Wit podcast. This week I'm doing another special show in response to the crazy times that we're living through right now with the coronavirus outbreak. So most of us will be homeschooling kids whilst often trying to juggle work as well. This is massively overwhelming and it's really quite scary and we're not quite sure when it's going to end. So where do we start? Well, I started by asking the fabulous Josie to come and join me on the show and to give us her advice Josie is an amazing parenting coach and she runs very successful workshops, which are online now. She also works with parents on a one-to-one basis, often over Skype. She works with schools. She's a Montessori teacher herself. She has an inner circle that you can join, which is a membership sort of thing, which I'm a, I'm a member of. It's fantastic. And she's a mum of three. And Josie's approach with her positive parenting is really, really interesting I think there's a sort of perception that perhaps positive parenting is all about letting the kids get away with stuff and being very soft. And actually, that's not the case at all. Josie is firm but fair. And she often sort of talks about the need for natural consequences. She she really helps you to cut out the trial and error phases as a parent. And she really helps you to connect more deeply with your children, which is what we all need and want, especially at the moment. So I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Josie. It's great to have you here on the Grit and Wit show. These are challenging times and obviously this whole coronavirus epidemic is is changing day by day. I should say that this is being recorded on Friday the 20th of March. So anything that we're referring to is from the 20th. But it's lovely to have you here. Josie, we need you. We need your expertise. We've got homeschooling happening from Monday. I know you've got your three children home from Monday. I've had my three children here since Tuesday. Can you please help us? <laughs> Tell us everything we need to know. <laughs> How are you going to manage with you. three kids at home? Um, well, thank you. Thank you for having me here, Liz. I'm excited to be uh, talking for you. Okay, how am I going to manage three children at home? I am personally really, really excited. I think it's going to be an amazing time. Um, I don't think as a family unit or you know, as a world, we are ever going to be, let's say, never be in this situation again. And however horrific it is out there, actually in our little bubble in our house, we can make this a really positive experience. And I totally plan to. I love being with my kids. They drive me insane, as every parent does at times. But I know how to manage them, how to manage myself. And I understand a lot about child development. So it allows me to feel positive about the, the the future and homeschooling and being with them 24-7. I would say you're very much in the minority there, Josie. <laughs> I'm sure by the end of this podcast, I'm going to be feeling really positive too. But I have to say, there is a, like a slight feeling of utter dread, to be honest. <laughs> the idea that this is sort of going on and on as well, that we don't know where the end in sight. I think that's a very fair point. I think that's a very fair point to make. I, I think right now for us as parents, we have to think about this as right now. So think about this as a really enjoyable time that we're going to make good. So we can have two headspaces, like the positive mindset. We all know this. We can either come in and go, this is going to be hell. Oh my God, my kids drive me mad just for three hours in the morning. Um, How am I going to manage a whole day with them? And that for me is something that I really want to talk about later because I think it's so important for us to know how we're going to manage ourselves. So we're talking about homeschooling and making sure our children are all right. But if we don't feel good in ourselves, we are not going to be good people to be around for our children. Um, and the reality is we are all full of stress and anxiety and worry right now. And we don't want to put that on our children. And there are ways in, that we can manage ourselves. And also to say, I don't want you to think that I'm not in any way thinking it won't be all dreamy because it will not be all dreamy. I'm really, I, I know that I'm a teacher and I teach other children all the time, but teach your own children. Let me tell you, it's very, very different. You know, it's an emotional relationship. So it's very different. And I don't plan to teach my children all day or every day, in fact. In fact, the first two, three days of next week, there's going to be no homeschooling going on. It's going to be getting into our 
life getting into part, you know, it's past the weekend now, daddy's now back at work. So what does this look like? So Josie's going to be at home with her three kids and we're going to play and we're going to connect and we're going to establish a few boundaries. There's going to be sibling rivalry and there's going to be a little bit of conflict. That's always what happens. Yeah, that's definitely something that I've noticed is that since the kids have been home since Tuesday, the first few days they were home, there was a lot of that like trying to be top dog, the yes. pecking order, you know, a lot of argy-bargy going on and lots of sort of attention-seeking behaviour, whereas actually that's settled down now with Friday, so we've had a few days. So I think that's a really key point, isn't it, to give yourself some time. Yeah, it is. It really does. And I think we need to be aware of that. By knowing that in ourselves makes everything okay, but also then your expectation you're putting on both yourself and your kids. So if you're expecting to start Monday morning, your weekend, you've been planning their homeschooling weekend, it's just going to kick off on Monday morning. You're going to really nail it. It's not going to work like that. You're going to feel like you weren't good enough, that you let yourself down. You're going to feel like your kids have disappointed you. It's, it's an impossible task. You have to be very realistic about yourself and your children. Also, you need to, I can tell you what I'm going to do and you can probably share what you're going to do, Liz. But actually it's about listening to other people's ideas and putting together what's the best plan for yourself and your family unit and and what feels good for you so I am under no um, illusions that I might well have this plan that I've got and in a couple of weeks go actually this isn't quite working we need this first or actually we need to get out first thing in the morning and go for a walk or actually we need to get straight on with it the minute after breakfast at 8 30 for me personally I won't be starting my homeschooling till 9 30 because from 8 till 9 I need to do my work as a business owner so I have to put that in there. Then I'm going to be teacher and hopefully a very kind and successful teacher. And then we will have lunch and then it's our free time. That's how I'm doing it. So you're really only going to be focusing on the sort of teaching part in the morning. Yes. Okay. Definitely. That's interesting as well, I think, because I think lots of people have this perception that they need to spend all day uh, and then kind of change table doing you know maths English and all the different sciences and everything else well do you know what I received an email from our school saying that they expected the children to be studying the subject for the same amount of time at home as at school so three hours of science at school they wanted them to be doing three hours of science at home which I was quite surprised the school sent that email because it's completely unrealistic. And anybody that homeschools will know, that w- knows that the amount of time taken in a school compared to the amount of time at home is a quarter, maximum a third of the time. Because you've got to think about walking down hallways, doing registration, maybe having an assembly, having a break, going to the toilet, chatting to a friend, 29 other children in the class talking to the teacher, someone not understanding it, your teacher repeating herself, having to write something else out on the board, bell goes, next classroom. I mean, if you actually add up the actual teaching time, it's significantly less. Yeah, that's a really valid point, I think. And also, I think the point that you just made about the fact that there's like 29 other children, you know, perhaps in a class, because actually the kids are going to be getting more like one-to-one or one-to-two or one-to-three time at home as opposed to one-to-thirty. So they should be presumably picking stuff up quicker anyway. Also, you could say is us as parents have a slightly different connection with our child was we personally want our child to do really well. So whatever well looks like to you. So the teacher doesn't have that same thinking. Of course, they want all their kids to be successful. I don't mean that. But as in, they have got 30 different children to look after. Whereas we are solely thinking about our one child and where they are academically and with the support they need on their particular maths equation or their level of maths or whatever it might be. So I actually, maybe I'm making a really big statement here and I might well regret what I'm saying, but I genuinely expect my kids to be doing better than they would if they are at school being at home with me right now and only not because I'm a great teacher nothing like that I don't mean that I mean it's simply because it's one-on-one I'm going to be able to listen to the challenge she has I might not know the answer we've got Google I'll work it out very quickly but the point is it's very very specific and bespoke to her and to my son and to my other daughter so as long as I think the biggest thing as long as you genuinely set aside that morning where there is no phones, where there is no washing. I'm a queen of multitasking and I can't be doing that when I'm teaching. That's the one thing I know that I have to not do because I, I can talk and do all sorts of things while folding the laundry and cooking a bit of dinner. We all can do it. Whereas we need to tell ourselves, actually, you can't do that because that's when you're going to make mistakes and your kid's going to think, well, hang on, you're not interested in me. I'm not going to give you the same respect back. So we have to give them that time. 
and then then the, the afternoon is going to be great. So what about, you know, if you're trying to work from home as well, how would you suggest somebody structures that? Because they're going to have to be working around the kids now. And, and we're all sort of, you know, facing this challenge of how do we claw back the time? So this is what this is one thing that I said in the beginning, which it's all very well listening to how I do it. And if you like the way I, I, it sounds like I'm doing it that way. But however, the most important thing is it has to work for you and your family. So if realistically your busiest time is being in the morning at work and your boss is not going to, you know, be gentle with you doing that, then my plan's not going to work for you. So then what you do is you might do an hour in the morning with your kids. You really do want to try and get some morning time in because kids are so efficient in the morning compared to the afternoon, which is why many schools do the more important work, such as math, science, English in the morning compared to the afternoon. So you really want to try and get that in early if you can. Even if that's something like 7.30 to 8.30 and you tell your child, we're just going to do 7.30 to 8.30 straight from breakfast and then you're free for the whole morning. You can even watch a movie in the morning while I'm working. Then we'll have lunch together. Then we might, then we'll do another hour maybe. And then we do another hour after dinner. I mean, that might work really well for some children and some parents as well. The reality is it has to work for you. But if you're trying to, the one thing you don't want to be doing is you don't want to be half writing an email, half on the phone to someone and trying to do some maths with your child, they're not going to do it at all. And it will take them four times as long and they will be sat at the table nine till three, like at school. And that'll just be frustration for everybody. That that makes yeah. me feel a bit sick thinking about trying to do that. Yeah, you, I don't think you can do that. We've all, we've all tried, I think. We've all been there. So in terms of sort of hours then, how long would you do a, a work session with a child? You said maybe up to an hour, but is that a reasonable amount or are we looking more like... No, 40, 45 minutes is the number I'd go for, but that is genuinely working 45 minutes. If your kid's messing about, taking their pencil out, sharpening it, going to the bin, straighten up their paper, wrong bit of paper, you know, all of that sort of thing, that's not the 45 minutes. 45 minutes when it starts when they are working. So if your child gets their pen and paper and they are on it 45 minutes from that point and setting a timer might be good for some children, some children that won't work for because then they will almost say, well, if I do really, really little amount, because I've only got 45 minutes, it's going, it's one, okay, sorry, I'm going off right here, but this is something actually it's quite important to know. It's very, very important that we create some urgency and ground rules around this for our child. The reason being is there is no repercussion to them if they don't do it because teachers hold more accountability. They've got their peers that they need to do. If their peers are bringing their homework and they're not, the teacher will call them back in. They'll be followed up on. It's very different when you're mummy and daddy compared to teacher. So we're definitely on the back foot there as parents. So we do need to make sure that we are making our expectations extremely clear. So for example, we were given a whole wad of work today from my child's school and she was really overwhelmed to look at it. I said, darling, don't even look at it. I said, we're not even doing it until mid next week anyway. And you don't need to manage that. I will manage what you're doing on a daily basis. And you don't need to worry about whether it's all going to get done. It will get done because I'll work out a plan. However, we'll sit down at the allocated time. We'll do the work and we stick to the schedule and all be achieved. So children do need to know that their teachers are expecting something. This isn't just about know playing all day of course I'm not against playing my god I love it but we do have to we don't want our kids going back to school whenever that may be bloody September without having done anything because they didn't want to so by starting off with firm intentions and expectations in the beginning that's only going to be really really helpful so 45 minutes let's say what age are we talking about here for 45 minutes so 45 minutes is the best for everybody but if you find your child so for example my older daughter might get into something and after 45 minutes won't want to stop and I'm not going to say no you must stop now if she's really enjoying writing a piece or getting through her maths or whatever it might look like I'll say okay you you stop when you're ready darling but if she if by 45 minutes you can see they're ready you want to give them an opportunity to break then so you think about it schools generally do hour classes by the time they've come in sat down taken the register started their work had a chat then the same at the other end of the class. It's not really 60 minute class. Yeah, right. So yeah. it's the same thinking. Okay. And if you've got different age children, so remind me how old your children are. So I've got five, eight and 10. Okay. So we're, we're the same then. And we're trying to manage very different like levels of learning here. Yeah. How do you, how do you suggest to handle that? So this is the bit that we have to do a little bit of trial and error as parents. So we all know within our house that we've got one child that needs a little bit more time and attention. Tends to be one of the older children that needs that little bit more 
reassurance to start. Not that they need reassurance going forward, but just to get that initial you know, start going. So that would be the one you'd want to start with. To let everyone know it's that we're going to do our work. You've got their work allocated. It's time to sit down. Oh, another thing I should say, it's really important. Children absolutely must be washed and dressed when homeschooling starts. There's no homeschooling in pyjamas and you can't be homeschooling as a teacher in pyjamas. You have to be up and dressed. Like I fully intend to have my lipstick on by the time homeschooling commences. It's it's like really important. Children know the difference. Yeah. That this is not just sitting around, hanging around, messing about. This is now time to work. To the point that my husband said, Josie, maybe you should just get them to put their school uniform on. I was like, oh, come on, let's be a bit nice to them. <laughs> but you know, they'd know that, oh, I'm working. Okay. So how do I manage different age groups? So how we would start is my plan. So I've got a dining room table and next to that, I've got a bar. Now, many people would say that you shouldn't actually do it on the dining room table. You should separate it. However, the way my house works is that's not going to work for me. My house is quite open plan downstairs. So the idea of, of one being in a separate space just doesn't work. The idea of having them close so I can support them all is how I see it working. I may well change my mind next week. Like I say, I might go, actually, it's really not working. We need to have them in separate spaces. But I can't know that until it starts. But my intention to start is that the my two older girls will be on the table and my son will be at the breakfast bar because generally he's a little bit more noisy, a little bit more you know sharpening pencils and banging a bit more and all that sort of thing and we'll have a lot more mum mum questions and we should say your son is the youngest isn't he he's the five-year-old my son sorry yeah yeah, yes he is um so I will get the girls started and settled and the one that needs a little bit more motive not motivation is the wrong word sort of just more of a little bit of acknowledgement of this is what we're doing right great get started you happy yet we're happy they can start on their work so I envisage that it will be about three and a half hours for my older daughter, maybe two and a half to three hours for my second daughter. And my son, I don't think he'll need more than an hour to 90 minutes. So I will start by sitting with him and getting him started and giving him my time. No phones, nothing. I mean, genuinely, everything will be off in the house. My phone will be on silent. There will be no interruptions. Because I, I have to model that, right? If I'm expecting that of my children, I have to be the one that's modeling that behavior. And I'm not going to be multitasking, like I said. And then I will sort of go from each one of them to check. Because also, if I don't do that, it's very easy for me as a working parent for my head to float away to think, oh, I need to write that email or I need to write that article or I want to do that post or whatever it might be. So I have to personally work hard as a working parent to stay focused on them rather than what's going on in my head. And then I will go to my second daughter And then I'll finish with my last daughter probably for the last 90 minutes. But what I will say for my son to enable him to finish and move away from us, because the temptation to stay in the family unit and perhaps be irritating because he wants the attention would be that it would be, darling, you need to go and play and we'd give him some choices. However, if you don't choose to do that, then you need to come back and carry on doing more work of which he might decide he wants to do that. And that would be fine. So when you say you're going to get started with him, will you have already given the the eldest and the middle child their work? So they are kind of, they've sort of got something to do whilst you're starting him off. Yeah. And then you'll basically give him your attention. Yes. So I'd get them started on something that I know they can do on their own. Right. And then you give him more attention and then he kind of has done his bit. He can go off and play. You can then move to the middle child for a while and then the oldest or whichever way around you do it. Okay, interesting. And so in in terms of then sort of keeping them on track, how do you stop that kind of mum, mum, mum? Oh, I can't do it. Oh, it's really boring. Oh, I'm, you know, I need a drink. Oh, I need to do this, that and the other. How do you kind of keep them motivated and on track? So my approach has always been with any sort of, that's what we call a power struggle. And that happens in all different areas of parenting. And how I've always dealt with power struggles and how I teach to deal with them is you don't fight them. So what that looks like is if my child decides they're going to go off and have a drink, then I'll say, okay, but that means however long you're away from the table is added to the end of your session. So note down what time. So I'll give them the responsibility to say it's like now 9.20, they've been working for 20 minutes and they're, oh, my, we need a drink. Okay. Well, they're going to have a drink on the table anyway, but there's something else, something else that I can't put to sleep, put to bed, you know, then I'm not going to have a power struggle and argument about it. I'm going to say, okay, note time, what, note down what time you leave the table. So like if it's 9.20 and they come back at like 9.30. Okay, great. So that's just 10 more minutes you're going to add on to the end. And very quickly, after a couple of days, they realize they don't like that. They'll realize they don't like that approach because suddenly they're now sat at the table a little bit longer. And obviously I'm not going to do that. They need the toilet or something. I'm not going to be some taskmaster, but you know, we need to be realistic about letting our child know that there are ground rules and that just because you're mummy, you're not going to go, oh, okay, darling, don't worry. Or, or we can finish it tomorrow or that sort of thing. Because the reality is we are not unschooling our children. 
There are many different approaches to homeschooling, approaches that I think are absolutely wonderful. And I question homeschooling my children all the time, actually, because I think it's such a beautiful way to teach. But we are not unschooling, which is the approach where you leave your children to control and lead. We are all expecting our children to go back to school. And something that I don't want, and I'm sure no other parent wants, is that our child then goes back to school and all the other kids have completed and managed to keep up with the work and my child's the one that hasn't. That's not going to feel good for my child. Not because I genuinely do not care about results at all, and I mean that, and my kids know that, but because I don't want them to feel bad about themselves. That's my biggest motivator in my parenting. And my kids don't feel like they're not good enough or they're not capable when they are absolutely most capable beings because I haven't supported them on what needs to be done. Yeah, good points. Very good points. Um, I have to say my few days of doing this homeschooling uh, and I was kind of thrown you know, right in the deep end because I wasn't feeling very well myself. Uh, and then Boris, you know, he did his little thing on Monday and told everybody that the family had to isolate. So I was feeling really un- underprepared. But I was going to say that the, the bit that I found the most difficult has been sort of certainly with my son, where he's just almost refused at certain points to actually sit down and do the work. And I'm like, okay, I don't know where to go with this. <laughs> what do I say? Mm. Uh, what would you say if a child is... How old's your son? He's eight. Okay. So first of all, I would, if you're, if they're refusing, you can understand why they're refusing. It's very, very confusing. So you can understand why that would be his behavior. He's at home. He's meant to play. He's got much bigger plans than doing this. So make sure that you have established uh, plan with him and make sure you have heard his argument. So his argument might be, mum, you've just bought me the most amazing Lego fort and I want to finish that. And you're disrupting me because you want me to do some schoolwork that I can do another time. It might be, I don't know what the reason is, but there will be many reasons that children come up with, but you need to explain to them what that looks like. And then maybe say, okay, so we have no option. We do need to do this. This is the time we need. When would work for you then? What What is your idea of when you want to do it? And maybe listen to, really listen to your child and try it. So they might, he might well say, mommy, I want to do it between six and eight at night. And you'll say, okay, that's not going to work for me because that's dinner time. So, okay, I want to do it just before dinner, four to six. Now, realistically, we know that's not going to work by then because by that time, your other two might be playing. You might have given them iPad time or they might be watching a movie or they're into role play or whatever it might be. And he's going to then suddenly at four till six, sit down to his home. So we know that's not going to work, but you could, if you wanted to, depending on how much you want to have a power struggle, say, okay, we'll try it then. We'll try it. You can do it four till six. I'll do the girls in the morning at four till six. I'm going to be a bit busy working at the same time. But you can come and sit near me in the office and you can do your work then. And um, you can ask me a question, but you can't have all of me because I'm going to be working and I will be popping off to make dinner at some point. But if that's the window you want to do it, then why not? That's the approach I would take. And I think within a couple of days, he'd realise that actually he feels that's not what he wants. So, okay. Any other tips on sort of what you can do in terms of different age groups and the other thing is the noise so what would you expect from your children in terms of when they're working like in this 45 minutes do you expect silence do you expect them to be sort of chattering or you know what sort of do you expect no I don't expect silence I expect focus and concentration but something very very funny about my oldest daughter and I remember observing it a couple of years ago and it blows my mind but she is genuinely the most fidgety child you've ever met in your life she's very very tall for 10 and got extremely long legs so I think she just gets a bit long and doesn't know what to do with her body but she does nothing but fidget the entire time and I remember like I say a couple of years ago her coming over her and her friend over and they were doing this times tables like square you know these squares you do a couple of years ago and they were having a race over who could do it quickest and Tyler, my oldest, was just dancing about, falling about the whole entire time they were doing it. And I thought maybe this is going to be an opportunity for her to realise if she doesn't concentrate properly, then she's not going to do as well. And she didn't. That wasn't the case at all. She did extremely well, almost better than she's ever done. And there was an argument in my head that said she just likes to move. So I'm really looking forward to exploring that with her. So much so that I imagine she'll be lying on the floor doing a lot of work. I imagine she'll be sat in all sorts of peculiar positions and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what that does to her work or whether it makes her feel more inspired or hinders her so um so that's that's something that I'm exploring and experimenting with and just something to add Liz I know I mentioned this to you uh, before we started recording but something that's really really important to me is that as parents we have a real, real understanding of our children and how our children work. And I don't just mean children, I mean our children, know our children, how they work, what's important to them, what makes them tick, what upsets them, what irritates them, how we can get through to them. Now, often in the morning, 
I hear parents say, you know, we've been out two and a half hours, got them sort of so stressful. And then us as parents have that time away, either at home or at work to separate our head, feel normal again, and then come back and pick our children up in a better form. However, homeschool, we don't have that period. We don't have that period to go away and calm ourselves down and make ourselves feel better. So the biggest thing you don't want to happen in your house is that you end up becoming this super shouty, stressy, cross parent that your child feels disconnected to that genuinely you're not going to achieve anything like you want to. And it won't be that happy, joyous time that I'm talking about at the beginning that I want and I know I'm going to be able to achieve. There's going to be days in my parenting journey going forward homeschool that I'm going, oh my God, that was a terrible day. And that's okay. We're totally okay to have those days. But generally speaking, they're going to be good days and there'll be moments that you go, ah, but we need to, as parents, really manage ourselves and really manage our expectations and really have an understanding of our children and know that when our children are behaving badly, this is something I preach about religiously, it's when children behave badly, it is not because they are bad, naughty children. That doesn't even exist. It's because they're not feeling good. And that is our children's way of showing us they don't feel good. Yeah, I, I've been to one of your workshops. And I remember you saying, um, you know, children that feel bad sort of act, you know, in inverted commas, badly. And, and that sort of stuck with me. I'm, I've, I've always kind of got that in the back of my mind when I think about that. So, yeah, so it's, it's a really it's a really key point as well. I think the point that you raise about how we manage ourselves. So what would your advice be? Like if if you're kind of Monday, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it's, maybe it's Wednesday where you're actually trying to start the homeschooling thing. And, you know, perhaps it's all starting to go wrong and they're all vying for your attention. They're still not quite settled into things. And perhaps you haven't quite got the work that you need for them or they've done it much faster than you expected. And you feel like you've run out of stuff and you can feel your own blood pressure going up and you can feel that you're about to kind of lose it. What would be your advice in that situation? Do you just remove yourself from the situation or what do you do? Yeah, there's several things you can do. If you have a garden, go straight into the garden immediately to take yourself away. Maybe you all need to go into the garden. Another thing that we do is we use a lot of music in our house for changing emotion. So if we need to make ourselves feel better, we just jam the music up really loudly and just really embrace dancing and feeling the music and letting ourselves go. All of us do that. It's always something I've taught them from a really young age, just to be silly to the sounds. Another thing you can ask them to do is you can say, I need some time because I don't feel good. And if I don't feel good, I'm going to end up behaving badly and I don't want to behave badly. So that's a beautiful line to use because if you use that enough times, you're going to be able to teach your children that. Now think how amazing it would be for your child to say to you, I feel bad right now. I need some time to step away, mum, because otherwise I'm going to behave badly. I mean, that would be life changing. But the only way we're ever going to be able to get our children to do that is if we model it. It is so important what we model. And if you think back to when our children were sort of four and five and would think really carefully about making sure we really modeled the right thing, it's so important even now when our children are older because the attitude and the way we manage things and how we're resilient and how we deal with things matters. So for example, we went to the shops the other day, we drink oat milk in our house and we were only allowed to buy three oat milk. Now, as a family of five, we normally get through about seven or eight in a week. And my girl's like, but mum, what are we going to do? And I said, okay, let's talk about this. What do you think we're going to do? Well, we're only going to be able to buy three. So we bought three. We're out the shop and we're talking about where's all the milk gone and all that sort of thing. So for my answer was, well, Diane, do you know who's probably bought the oat milk? And they said, no. And I said, probably the mums whose babies are intolerant to dairy. So it's actually really important that those babies who are drinking out of bottles have that oat milk. And they empathized and they understood and they agreed. It was really important that those mums get those that milk for their baby. And then we spoke about, so what are we going to do then? We came up with different breakfast ideas and different smoothie ideas. And that was the conversation. So it's not about being anxious, being worried, being scared. It's about building resilience and ability to look past things that aren't how we want them to be and how we're going to manage ourselves. I mean, this is a pretty amazing time to teach that to our kids. I mean, I can't stress that enough. This is an awful time. I know that. But actually the opportunity as parents we've got, one of my children, I'm not going to say which one, so I won't want to embarrass them. One of my children right now has got a bit of an attitude going on and it's been learned from school. And I can't wait to rub that out because it's not going to take long for me for a couple of weeks being with them, modeling the right behavior, talking about the language that's coming that might not be the most appropriate language and changing all of that. 
So I, when else, when else am I ever going to have a chance in my life to do that? So actually more than schoolwork, I know I'm talking a lot about getting school and all that, and we do need to do that because we've got to tick that box. However, what I'm looking forward to more than anything is the bits of my children that I want to nurture and grow and create and explore and push that I'm able to do now because I have got them to myself. I'm so excited about that. I can't tell you. (laughs) So let's talk about some of those things. Like what have you got in mind? What are the things that you could recommend that we, we could do to kind of build that connection and to sort of inject some of that joy? So I would take the time to really think it might be a conversation that you have with your partner or your mum and dad or people that are close to you. Like what parts of your children's behavior, personality would you like to word improve isn't a good word but would you like to nurture so I work with so many people all the time so many families and the last family I worked with only yesterday their child's really really struggling with their confidence now as a parent when you're with that child one-to-one the amount you can do to improve their confidence is phenomenal so the, so the first thing you should do is think about what you're not going to do. So you're not going to belittle them. You're not going to name call them. You're not in any way going to make them feel bad about themselves because if we make our children feel bad about themselves, it achieves absolutely nothing. It's very, very short term and it makes them feel bad long term, which then makes them have low self-esteem, low confidence and a million other things. So all, think of all the things you don't want to do and think of the things you do want to do. So build their confidence. Do things with them you know they can do or they're really good at or they like to or they want to show you if they're good at sewing. Create an idea of what they're going to sew. Do you want to sew a cushion? Right, what do we need for a cushion? Actually, I've got an old dress here that I don't need. Right, you could use this. I've got some thread here. Okay, so let's look up a pattern. What do you want to do in it? Let them lead it. Let them feel important. Let them feel powerful. Let them feel capable. So today, my daughter she's got lots of teddies and she noticed she decided to bath them all. They then went in the tumble dryer, hair dryers and hang on the line. It was very interesting. And then she noticed lots of them had little holes that needed fixing. So she got the sewing kit and she took the time to do it. Now, realistically, and if you're better than me, if you have this sort of time, but realistically, when would I let my daughter get all her teddies out, wash them, use the hair dryer to style their hair, hang them on the line or put them in the tumble dryer and then sew them? Whoever has that period of time? Without us thinking, got to collect the other child, got to go food shopping, got to call in a minute, or we're going to taekwondo or swimming lessons or whatever life might look like. Because life's busy and I try hard to pull back on many activities, but we still have a busy life. I don't think you can't have a busy life with children, whether you don't do any activities and you're just in school. So when do we get those opportunities? I mean, I just don't think you get them. No, I think you're right. I think that, you know, it is a lot to do with the the mindset you go into this with, with the idea that this could be some sort of reset for the family and it could be a kind of bit of a reset worldwide, really, where we all start to actually consider the choices that we are making and how we're living our lives. But obviously there's a lot of worry. There's a lot of fear. People are worried about money. They're worried about their businesses failing. They're worried about all this other stuff. So all of that's going to be in people's heads, in you know parents' heads, when they're also trying to then manage their children so I can see that there's so many different sort of things going on in somebody's head. Uh, and now on top of that, they've got to try and teach their children. It's, it is going to be challenging. I agree. I think, I think I, I, I hear you and you are absolutely right. And I, you know, you could argue that I might be one of those parents, but I don't have a business that's completely falling under like I know many people do. And I, I genuinely feel, I mean, I can't imagine what that would feel like. However, that's when we need to, take a step back and think, okay, what, what do I want my children to remember from this part of their life? Because they won't forget this part of their life. What do I want them to remember? Now, if you have a business that's failing, they will remember the business failed, but they won't remember that in a way that they'll remember how mummy and daddy behaved or how they felt. As children, if you think back over memories, you remember the feeling rather than the fact. And so that's what they remember. So you need to try as hard as you can to manage yourself. And if that means that you say to your child, do you know what? Every single day for the next two weeks, you can watch a movie in the morning. If that's what you need to do to make yourself come out, feel better, have tea, talk to your friends or people that are supporting you through your process, um, maybe do some exercise or whatever that might be, that is absolutely number one. So it's all very well me talking about homeschooling at 9am. But if that is not right for you right now, if you don't start homeschooling till after Easter, that's okay because you're okay. You know, you've got two weeks of work to catch up on. That's an hour, an extra hour a day for the first, you know, three, four weeks. That's totally achievable. Don't think that Monday morning you're going to fail your children if you don't start homeschooling. 
I actually considered not homeschooling at all until after Easter, but I decided not to. But if you decide that's what you're going to do, that's not bad. We are adjusting as much as our children, if not more. We can shield our children from so much. And we should. We should not have the news on. We should not have the TV on. We should not have constant updates pinging up on their phone or our phone. They simply don't need to know the fear that is out there. We can keep them shielded from that because the reality is in their world, they're probably their immediate family, they'll be okay. And that's what we need to allow them to stay focused on. So more than anything I've said, Liz, is such a good point. Look after yourself 100%. And if that means that you decide to take your kids out to a great big park for the entire day and let them run free so you can just have some headspace and actually not have to talk to your children as much because your head can't cope with it, that really, really is okay. And I will be that person. I will absolutely be that person that goes, actually, I really can't deal with talking to my children all day today. I'm thinking about my business. My head is hurting. Let's just all go to a park. Let them be free and feel happy. Bring a picnic. Be freezing cold because it's really cold right now. If that's what I need to do, then that is absolutely 100% fine. And you're a big advocate of kind of getting outdoors and exercising with children, you know, taking them to places where they can have that freedom. So in a sort of typical day, like how much of that should we be trying to achieve? Or what would you say is, is the kind of right level? I think for, I think it depends on the day. It's funny, actually, because the last few days, I've been at home with my kids for only two days, but the last few days they've wanted, they didn't want to go out because having so much fun at home. You know, they get all the old toys out, don't they, stuff they haven't played with, but I've pushed them to leave the house. Also, I'm quite conscious that at any point we might be told that we need to go in total lockdown for 15 days. So I'm conscious that I want to get my children really, really out there and feeling like they felt, you know, the cold and felt the wind and moved because I think it, I, I think I'll regret it if when the time comes, we haven't been out for a couple of days because they didn't want to go out. So I'm one, I'm really conscious of that. But the idea of being out and about is really, really important. So my aim, the aim I've given myself is three hours out a day, so most of the afternoon. And the, one of the reasons I've done that is because then when I come home, they will then be full, as in everything in there, they'll be satisfied. So it's my word that's full that I use. And they will want to play together or they'll want to go to their bedrooms and get involved in their own toys or things they've wanted to do all day. And that will be my window to work. I see. So you kind of exhaust them in the outdoors, fresh air. And then when they get home, they're then able to just sort of rub along a bit better. I mean, that's that that's certainly true in our house. I've I've kind of created a bit of a routine with the children, which we're going to start properly on Monday. And actually after breakfast and doing that kind of morning stuff, our first thing is actually to do some exercise of some sort. And actually, I know that Joe mm-hmm. Wicks, the body coach, is doing a free yeah. live at 9am. So I was thinking I might try and get them involved in that and actually, you know, in the garden and doing some exercise and just to kind of burn off some of that initial energy before I expect him to sit down for a while. So there's one thing I'd say to that. So for my older two children, that would work really well. But for my younger son, who's five, that wouldn't. And the reason I say that, and every child's different. So this is where it's all very well me sharing my opinions, but actually you need to know your child and what works for them. If I got my son outside at 9am playing and exercising, the idea of them bringing him into work would be impossible because he would love it so much that it would be, mom, no. Whereas if we hadn't even got into that, it would be, okay, I'll sit down, do my writing or my reading now and then we'll play after. Right. Yes. Good point. So try different things and and that might work really, really well for your son. And he's a little bit older, but for my son, that wouldn't work. So at four and five, there's no way he'd be out there playing and happily come in and be cooperative. It wouldn't work for us. (laughs) Maybe it's a... The lure of a snack <laughs> that sometimes works in our yeah, house. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and snacks. Then, how many snacks would you say is reasonable in a day when you're homeschooling? Uh, so, I, I have, have I told you about my snack boxes before? Uh, yeah, I think I've seen something. Yes, yeah, so it's on my um, Instagram, my Facebook page. So, basically, what we do in our house is we have a, every child has a basket, so like a little small basket fits in the fridge, and they get their snacks allocated for the day in the basket. So, there's four pieces of fruit in there and three other fruit or veg and three other things. So there's like a snack bar and maybe some cheese and nuts. Usually that's generally what's in there. And that would be their basket for the day. So they have breakfast, lunch and dinner. Often I would make lunch uh, if like summer holidays, I'd make lunch in advance. But actually this time the kids, it will be, they're going to make their own lunch. So that'll be part of our learning because there's nowhere to be, nowhere to rush off to. Everyone will be responsible for making their own lunch. We do it as a team. But the idea of teaching, so there's lots of things I want to teach in this time. So 
teaching how to use knives and cutting. And yesterday, my son made scrambled eggs on toast for everyone at four, at just five. He's just done five and he was very proud of his efforts. That makes him feel good, makes him feel empowered. So we have, like I said, we have a snack box and the children are free to take what they want out of their snack box whenever they want. So as soon as you start this, your child will eat all their snacks by 10 a.m. <laughs> um, and the day two or three, it clicks that, oh, if I do that, then I don't have anything later on. And, you know, within a couple of days, they've worked out what they want to eat in their snack box. And sometimes there's bits left over or it works really, really well. And then that, it's not the constant tidying up in the kitchen. So I know that about myself. I don't like mess. Just mess just annoys me so much. It irritates me and grinds on me. So that would make me feel bad when then I wouldn't be as tolerant as patient and patient. I know that about myself. So if I get rid of that problem altogether, then I know that I'm going to feel like a better person immediately. And so do you have you don't have any kind of clear defined times then for the snacks. They could just literally go and help themselves anytime. Okay. So how are you going to stop them from like in the middle of their maths that they're finding a bit tricky getting up and going and having a snack? Is it by using that timing thing where you say, well, however long you take for that snack is we'll add on to the end? Or- I think so. And also I think what I might say is before we start is, does anybody need a snack before we start? Because we're not going to have a snack while we're working. Something like that. And I guess it depends on. I think that those are the sort of little things you have to see what happens. So I might find that one of my children does the same thing every day and it sort of becomes a bit of a routine, but it's a nice little five minute break for them, but they come straight back and get straight onto it. In fact, I know which one of my children would do that and they would come back and get straight back on with it. Whereas my son might not do that. He might use it as an excuse to to move on. But we, you'd sort of have that conversation as a when, but when they did that, you wouldn't then get cross with them. You wouldn't go, you're just trying to escape your maths. It's a silly, you know, you've got to do that. Miss, your teacher's going to be very, very cross with you. We don't use any of that. We just say, we have a conversation. Say, okay, so I noticed you're getting a snack several times in a row. So are you doing that because you're trying to get away from doing your work or is there another reason? They might say, it's because I'm really, really hungry. And you'll say, okay, fine, you're really hungry. Of course you have a snack. But then you learn from that. The next day, just before you're going to start their work, you'd say, do you remember yesterday you had to have a snack because you were really, really hungry. So let's get a snack now. So then you're not really hungry and you don't have to have a break from your maths. (laughs) <laughs> just preempt that yes I like that idea yeah <laughs> and then they'll suddenly need something else instead <laughs> um but yeah then, then, you, then you would have another conversation where you'd say the same thing or and if you know it was going on several days the next day you'd start and you'd say do you know what darling I'm gonna try I'd like you to try really really hard to do your work today for the next 45 minutes without getting up and actually you might find Liz it's because you've given them an hour and you might find it's the same sort of time that they're getting up off the table every time. I'm not realistically expecting my son of, he's like I say five, to sit still for 45 minutes working. I, I don't expect that for a second. I know that there's going to be a bit of movement from him. But if you think about it in class, in reception, there would be movement in class. They wouldn't expect the children to sit still for 45 minutes. No, right. So the younger one, so do you have some sort of things in mind, like other things like crafts, Lego like you said, music. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Share, share it. Tell us. Tell us what should we be doing. So the one th- I'm not a bit a big. Per- I'm not into technology for my kids. It's not something they really really use. So there's certainly not technology in the plan. But they might be allowed a bit of telly later on, or if they feel they really want it. But I think the thing you have to be careful of, and actually this is a really good point, something to be careful of is that you don't get into that habit of whenever they want to do something, let them have TV, because often we do that when we're living our life normally because their life is so full as they've been at school they've had an after school club and you know that dinner's coming in an hour so if they sit down and have 45 minutes of telly it's absolutely fine but actually when they're at home all day that just becomes like a preset whereas oh well I'll just turn the telly on because that's what I always do or I'm a bit bored or children it's good for children to be bored let them be bored they'll only be bored for the first week after that they won't be bored anymore because they would have found things the back of their cupboard they haven't had out for ages and all the craft stuff are quite and the imagination the role play and the playing with your siblings and all of the wonderful stuff we want to see but if you let them if you give in to them and let them turn that telly on you're to- totally taking away that beautiful opportunity for them to be bored and come up with something so another thing that you want to make sure that you're doing in this time, if you can, because we well can, because we've got the time, is if you've got siblings that don't really have a good relationship, work on that. Work on that so much. Don't expect miracles in week one, week two, week three. But by week four, you're going to expect a change in their relationship. You're going to expect things to have been happening, of connections to be built, of understanding. I mean, that's going to be amazing to witness. And how can you do that? How would you, how would you work on that? I mean, that's a whole other po- podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> 
that, that is it's a bit of a conversation but I can tell you a few things so the first thing is knowing your head that that's what you want to achieve so I think a lot of parents when we're busy in life is we just we are busy I mean I'm so busy but we can't think how we're going to fix the eight and 10 year old who don't get on. I'm very lucky all of my kids do get on. But if you've got say two eight and 10 year old boys who really don't get on a chalk and cheese, they live different lives. They go to school, they do off school activities. You know, they won't watch a bit of telly together in the evening and sit at the table. They don't really spend time together. Whereas there's pretty much most people in the world that you could have some form of relationship with and in a good way. So if they're your two children, you know, they've been parented the same way. So they're ultimately good human beings. They're just very, very different. And so we teach our children about the difference in their sibling and what that looks like and how to embrace that and what bits you're, it's okay not to like everything about someone, but actually there are other parts of them that are really incredible. And so one child might be really, really sporty. Another child might be really, really academic. So actually, can you teach him this? Can you teach him that? Can you show him how to do that? And initially it'll be like, he can't do it. He's rubbish. We say, okay, so let's think about that. So you take it all slowly. Let's think about that. Do you think when you say he's rubbish, that makes him feel good and like he wants to do it with you? Or do you think that just makes him think, I actually want to walk away from this person? So you speak like that. You don't say, well, when you talk to him like that, of course he's not going to do it. I'll just forget it. It's very easy to do that in normal life. But actually, we don't really have an excuse to do that now. We can really take the time. So baby, baby, baby steps over a period of four weeks will be a significant step at the end. So we would say, okay, so do you think that's the right way to talk to your brother or something like that? Or do you think that's the kind way to talk to your brother where he's going to want to cooperate? And then the other one will say, no, I don't, but he is rubbish. You'll say, darling, he might not be as good at sport as you are which is why he's being really courageous and coming here to learn how to do it from you. So what's, what's it show us a kick in football? Oh, this is a sidekick. I don't even know that's a kick, but I'm making it up. It's <laughs> a sidekick. It's one in Taekwondo to be fair. And then he would try a sidekick and his brother wouldn't be great. And you'll say, okay, darling, give your brother feedback. What should he do differently? Well, he just needs to kick it in a straight line. So we're going to get the attitude, right? Okay. So he needs you to kick it in a straight line. So he'll do it again. Was that better? Yeah, but maybe if he does it a bit that way. Okay, let's try again a bit this way. So basically, you just slowly, slowly, slowly build up the relationship where you then get a child that's actually really empowered their brother. And then the other brother then feels good that he can do something and feels good about his old other brother teaching him. Next thing you know, there's a tiny bit of closeness and you build it, build it, build it until it becomes a beautiful relationship. And that's, if I had siblings that weren't close or didn't connect, that would be one of my big, big things I'd want to heal or repair or work on or get a parenting coach like me to help you fix you know something take the time to to do that right it's important absolutely yeah and you make it sound so easy <laughs> we, we all just wish that we could have you in our pocket so that every time you know we <laughs> have a bit of a wobble we're like what do we do we could just literally like pull you out of our pocket and say Josie what do I do and you could <laughs> chat to us in our ear It'd be amazing I think just always stay calm I think just take a step back always remember their kids always look at it from their perspective. You look at something from a child's perspective, put yourself in their shoes and you look at their world around them and what's important to them and what they feel about themselves and the rest of it. It allows you to really talk to them in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true, isn't it? And I think often, you know, like I was saying, you can get quite wrapped up in our, our own thoughts, what we're worried about. And you, you forget, you know, and often I think also when you've got children of different ages, the expectation, certainly I, I recognize this in myself, that I have of the youngest child is much higher than I would have had of my 10-year-old when she was that age. You know, yeah. that she's half the age, but actually the five-year-old tries to keep up with the 10-year-old and she does a pretty good job of that. But my expectations are much higher because of the fact that I've got older children. So it's, again, it's just kind of reminding yourself, gosh, she's, she's five. She's only been alive five years, right? This is perfect normal for a five-year-old for sure. Yeah. Also be careful that us as parents don't get wrapped up in what all the other parents are doing. That's so wonderful. So there is undoubtedly going to be people on my newsfeed who have built a whole tree house with their children, who have repainted the entire garden, who have created a whole vegetable patch. And there's going to be wonderful things that people achieve. And that's fabulous for them. I'm happy for them. But don't then think, oh my gosh, well, we've only done a bit of Lego. Oh gosh, we've only, because it doesn't matter. And if you decide you want to do something big, then fine. But to be fair, I haven't got anything massively big planned because in my head, I'm like, that's just another big thing right now. I need to first do what I'm doing, get that bit right and do that bit well. Then I might think about the next bit. I mean, we've got a few seeds to plant. We've got some little activities and nice ideas, but I'm not going up with any huge, big, elaborate plans of what I'm going to create or some massive project that my child's going to bring into school or not that that's wrong if you do it, if you do that and that excites you and that makes you feel good, amazing. But 
I don't want any parents to think that they're not good enough looking at everyone else, what they're doing. If you are connected with your child and you and your child feel close and together, that is actually the most important thing by far, by far, because that's all we're trying to achieve, all of us. And if that's a conversation, reading a book for two hours every single day, because that's what you and your kid love to do, then that is absolute magic. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, in our house, often it's things like baking a cake, for instance. That's the kind of thing that everybody would chip in and everybody wants to, you know, lick the bowl, measure out the ingredients. But I suppose, you know, you're actually doing maths, aren't you, by by kind of working out all these numbers. So I guess a lot of the homeschooling stuff is is a lot more practical than perhaps always having to sort of sit down and do the work. Completely. Yeah. Also, just adding to that is because we're slower, we have the time. So my daughter asked me something yesterday, and I can't remember what it was about, but it's about mortgages. And she was asking me a question about mortgages. And we ended up speaking about it for about an hour, explaining what a mortgage was, how it worked, all the rest of it. And I would never have been able to really have an hour. I would have told her and, you know, but we would have sort of dulled it down to get onto whatever was happening next. But to think that I genuinely had a whole hour free to sit and talk to her about what a mortgage was and what it looked like and how it worked. I came away and thought that was good homeschooling, Josie. I was like, that was just an opportunity came up. I took it and I taught her something new. I mean, when else would she genuinely have learned that much about mortgages? in her life until she maybe had one. Yeah. I mean, I gave her every bit of knowledge I had and I'm 35. So there was a lot of knowledge there. So I thought, actually, that's the sort, that's the magic bit that I love about the idea of homeschooling is that you get to really follow what your child hears. Again, if they'd asked that question at school, the teacher with 30 other children would have just given them the very quick two, three sentence answer because that's all they could. So this is, this is, we get to understand how our kids' heads work a lot more, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's definitely, you're right, definitely seeing the opportunity in that. And so um, just slightly changing the subject here, then I know that you're obviously a Montessori teacher as well. Are there any of the kind of theories or the Montessori sort of ways of doing things that we could incorporate into our homeschooling? Oh, yes, so many. Well, I adore Montessori education. And for those of you that don't know a lot about it, I'll just tell you the, the main thinking for me that the bits that just incredible so the idea is that you're building capable children capable independent children that believe they can do things because they've been given the opportunity to do them so what does a capable child look like a capable child is a child that can access things in the kitchen and make their own breakfast a capable child is someone that can load and unload the dishwasher a capable child is someone who can work out what color laundry goes with what color laundry and how you put it in the washing machine and what's on and then how you fold it and what an how you use an iron you know my child my oldest daughter was ironing at seven and she's bloody great at ironing and my uh, son will learn my uh, daughter's decided that she thinks he should learn now because um, I'm still doing it so he'll learn in this period so what does that look like am I going to give him an iron and say good luck son no of course I'm not I'm going to be with him we're going to do it together and it will be a probably a good year and a half before he's doing it on his own but the idea of you can introduce these wonderful life skills that up until they learn them they simply don't know how to do them so thinking about how your house is structured over the coming weeks is are things accessible every time your child needs a pen or piece of paper do they have to ask you or is it laid out so we've created just a very clean simple service in our house that in my lounge and there's just three in trays on there and that's basically their homework trays I don't want it in the main dining room in the kitchen because then that's all they see is their homework you don't want their you don't want your house to become a school you need to be careful not to create that you still have you have the home and then school comes into the home as and when then school goes away so they can be relaxed in their space so there's spaces set up for their schoolwork teach them how to fold clothes how to put things away, be responsible. What what things look like? All basically, all the things that we as parents do on a day to day basis. If your child is physically capable to do it, they should be doing it. And that starts by you teaching and modelling, so making beds, changing beds, hoovering, all of life skills. It sounds like I've listened, I've thrown off a list of things like they're little little servants around the house, and I don't mean that. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean like they're capable. So my girls, their room is on the third floor, um, and they've got their own stairs going up to their floor. So they're responsible for hoovering their stairs. They're their stairs. And so they need to keep their room in clean, tidy order because they can't see things. So by modeling that and showing them what, how to do it and not expecting it to be perfect first time, knowing that it takes time, but setting your expectation of what is expected. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. That's yeah, that's interesting. I think that often, and I know I'm guilty of this, often the children are kind of growing up 
but actually the way that we're perhaps treating them is still as if they were maybe slightly younger than they actually are and and still doing everything for them and and actually the idea of you know creating these capable children and using this time as a way to kind of give them all those life skills that they're going to need perhaps when they go off to college or they move out or whatever uh, is is a really good way to look at it I think do you know what two things that work so well doing this one is we as the parent don't get resentful because I you will get very resentful very very quickly homeschooling your children if you're constantly picking up their stuff very very quickly so you need to stop that I know I do so I just don't do it so I know that about myself and I don't get resentful because it doesn't happen but homeschooling your children all day and having that constant mess is going to drive anyone mad so you have to have that element of responsibility and also when we give children that responsibility and we do it in a way that's empowering rather than belittling they feel so good And they then feel really capable and they walk away. It's a little bit like when your toddler's first potty trained, you know, they've weed on the potty and they walk away like they're really important. It's exactly like that. Yeah, it's that. It's that feeling of being proud. It's exactly like that when you give children responsibility within the home. And my argument is I became a parent because I want to parent and I love being a parent, not to tidy up stuff all the time. It's just not me. So if they are leaving stuff all over the house, how would you deal with that? Do you have a kind of system, like you have a basket or something? Or You have a conversation around what that looks like, what your expectations are, and you have a conversation. So this is how I feel, and they'll say this is how I feel. You sort of come up with an agreement. So maybe it'll be different, families do it differently. It might be every 20 minutes, whatever we've been has left behind we're going to put away it might be every half you know at lunchtime for me it's when you finish working with something it goes away immediately so if you take your shoes off they don't go on the side they go in the cupboard if you take your coat off it doesn't go on the the slide it goes on the hook if you finish your dish doesn't be left on the side it goes so we tied up immediately after ourselves if they're working with a game and they want to come back to it that's very different they'll say i'm still working on it fine but the idea of having pencils and pens and things hanging around everywhere just doesn't it makes me frustrated and it really doesn't take long for what was a tidy space within 15 minutes of three children to suddenly look like a war zone so there are things you can do so first of all you always always start by conversation you always start by explaining to your child and explain your perspective from your angle rather than what they should be doing so this is how I feel and it's really important it really feels really good to me when the house is in order so I was wondering if we could all work as a team so we're going to be together a lot more so this is important to me what's important to you and they would share what's important to me so this is important to me and you talk about that and you might even want to allocate chores so on Monday Tuesday and Wednesday one of them makes breakfast the other one decides that the other one makes lunch the other one makes dinner so you completely offer them that responsibility and there's one other thing is you need to create, I'm going to say 15 minutes, but I don't want you to feel that that's unrealistic. So let's maybe go with 10 minutes a day individually with each child. And you have to tell your children that's what's going to happen. So we're going to have one-to-one time. Maybe I'm going for 15 minutes. I'm actually going to try for 15 minutes twice a day, but it might be completely unachievable. But I'm trying for uh, 15 minutes twice a day with each child and each child knows what their time is and it's going to be written on something, maybe the mirror of what their time is with me. It might be they want to sit and watch 10 minutes of telly. It might be that they want to read. It might be they want to chat. It might be they want to play a game, whatever it might be. But you do that to create connection and closeness when everyone in the house is fighting for your attention. That's a good point, I think. And what would you do with the other children? What would you say to them? You'd say... So so their time, you, you would explain to them that this is this person's time. And if they can't follow it then they're going to end up the other child's going to end up upset interrupting their time with you and you don't want that so you know if I'm with my older one and my second one comes in mum 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 you say I'm having my special time right now and then hopefully she'll walk away if she doesn't you'll say the thing is when you have your special time if you interrupt me and your sister she's going to probably do the same to you and I don't think you'd like that and you'd probably find they'd scurry off (laughs) <laughs> yes they know that don't they they it's like tip for tat <laughs> you do it to me I'll do it yeah, to you yeah yeah good point so just to wrap up really I think I'd just like to touch a little bit on sort of discipline I think people will be a bit worried perhaps about how they're going to be sort of disciplining their children and you've given us some really really great ideas about how we can manage ourselves and our sort of emotions any sort of tips on how to handle discipline yeah absolutely so the first thing you need to know is this is going to be a different situation for your child. So your child is going to push boundaries. Your child is going to feel that they miss their friends. I haven't told my children because we don't know and I don't want to worry them that potentially they might not go back to school this academic year. 
and they're going to miss their friends. They're going to miss socializing with their friends. My son, I know he's going to really miss the physical touch of being with his friends. He's, they're always pulling each other and playing and down the slide and pushing on the swing and rough and tumble. And that's going to really, he's going to really, really miss that. My older two girls, they can know about social distancing a bit more. However, for him, he's going to really feel that. And it's going to come out in his behavior because when children don't feel good, they show you in their behavior, which is usually in the form of misbehavior. So if our child is feeling bad, they're going to behave badly. So I imagine some, so for example, today even, he was trying to put some music on, on his CD and he was getting very, very angry with the CD player and that the song that should have been back, but there was no back before number one, wasn't playing. So it would have been easy for me to get frustrated and go, for goodness sake, Billy, it's at number one. There isn't a number before number one. It's no, there's no song before number one. Can you just stop now? I'm telling you. And then he would have got really, really upset. Now, was this about the song? Was this about that it wouldn't go back? No, it was just an added thing on top of what's already feels quite stressful to him, which is he hasn't been to school and had his normal routine. Now, am I worried about him? Not at all. But does he feel a little bit out of equilibrium? Does he feel that he's not in a good, normal, natural place? Yes. So I have to be very empathetic towards that, super empathetic. So I sat with him and actually we listened to, I think it was 50 songs, only the first four seconds of each 50 song, but we did to find out if that was the right song. Then we finally found it. It was on the last CD, Always the Way Hang. Now, as I sat there, thinking in my head, oh my God, I could really be writing an email right now. I also was thinking, but Josie, you don't need to be doing that because this is really important to him right now. And this is going to make him feel really good when he's got his, you know, got, got what he needed to get done. And it did. It went from a really cross, angry little boy So he got his song. We had a hug. I moved on. He then ended up playing in his room, playing Lego for an hour afterwards, which allowed me to get five emails done. So by us taking that time when the time is needed to do it, it pays off dividends the other end. So how do we do that? We constantly keep reanalyzing where we are with our child. So, So who are they? Who are our children? I want you to be able to get a pen and paper and write each of your children's names down and tell me who your child is, what's important to them, how, who do they belong, are they, a, are they a sister, are they the popular one, are they the academic one, are they the sporty one, whatever it might be, who do they see themselves and who do they define themselves as. Now, knowing that then about your child, you, you, I always bend down and like close my eyes and put myself in my little person's shoes. Oh, I adore my children. They're all amazing, but they're all different. And each one has a different way of looking at things. So one of my children is way more attention-seeking, needs a lot more attention than the others. Is that wrong? Not at all. Do I give it to her? Yes, but in the right way. It's not about making her feel bad about it. It's just part of her personality. I've got another child that likes a lot more control and power. Do I let her control and have power of everything? No. Do I give her control and power within fixed boundaries all of the time? So when you understand what's important to your child and you truly get into their little space and you connect with them and you can always heal them when they're in those places where they just don't feel good. It is such a good feeling as a parent to know that you can really heal is the word I use, but heal those feelings of insecurity and upset and anguish in your children. And it doesn't have to be through you losing losing at them or getting angry or screaming or shouting. Because today in that example I just gave you, if I'd screamed and shouted at my son and said, this is ridiculous, it's just a CD, it doesn't matter, go and play with your leg, I've got to do a, an email, he would have probably cried on and off for about an hour and a half. Would he have been really, really upset? No. Would he have been crying because he didn't feel that he was heard and didn't get attention? Yes. And then I would get more angry with him and it turns into a vicious cycle. So we have to step back and think, what is our child trying to say? Trust me when I say I've been doing this job for a long time. I know a lot about children. Children do not misbehave for no reason. There is always, always a reason. Whether you know that reason or not is not what's important here. The point is it's true. Children don't misbehave just to misbehave. And some children uh, misbehave more than others. And that's okay. It doesn't mean they're bad children. It just means they might have more feelings on a certain subject than another child doesn't. And it's our responsibility as a parent to work out what that is. Now, I could keep talking, but it would end up being a four-hour workshop. I mean, I, I can, but you know, but that's not what I'm here for. But it, it, it's pretty amazing when you can truly understand that. And it feels good as a parent. I totally, I totally hear you. And um, I, I just wonder if you've got any kind of additional practical things that you do. So, for instance, if two children are fighting, you know, I'm thinking of my eight and 10-year-old they might kind of have a bit of a ruck because he said this and she did that and he pushed me. And how do you, in, a, in the moment, kind of deal with that? 
Okay, so if my eight and ten year old come up to me and then and let's start ten tails, I say I'm not interested. Go and deal with it. Go and talk to your sister about it. Okay. I send them back to go and deal with it. I don't. I very, very, very rarely get involved because it is very tit for tat. What one did one time, the other one didn't do the other time. And if you start going on sides and who said what, what she said that when and what yesterday she did that, what last week she did that and he did that and what really I didn't know about that. And you end up getting into this ridiculous conversation, and then someone always ends up walking away upset, as in, "Mum, you sided with him. Mum, you didn't listen to me, or you're lying. I hate you." you know, whatever. Whereas if you don't get involved, you just don't get involved. And actually the joke of it is, is often with siblings, if they tell you a story about something horrific, their their sister's done or their brother's done, you think, oh my God, that's terrible. And you're really upset with that child about an hour and a half. 10 minutes later, the other siblings already forgiven them and they're playing a new game and you're still annoyed with a child for your child. And it's ridiculous. (laughs) Yes. So true. So true. If it gets really bad, Liz, where they're really fighting and like you're like, this does actually have to stop. You separate them. You in that room, you in that room. I'm, this isn't happening. You in that room, you'll both go outside and go and have a fight if you want to sort it out. Go outside, go in the garden. Not interested in seeing this silly bickering. You guys are more than capable to deal with this yourself. You're capable human beings that have an ability to communicate. Now go and talk to each other or stay away from each other, but I'm not getting involved. Yeah, that's powerful stuff, isn't it? So you can separate it. You can take... Yeah, you can take the firmer ground. And then what happens, the best thing about it is no one comes away feeling like that was unfair. Feeling like that was unfair is a really, really horrible feeling. And, and children build massive resentment with that. It's very easy to get drawn into being the kind of judge and jury, isn't it? As you know, like you yeah, say. And I very, very rarely do that. Yeah, good tip. I mean, I just don't do it because I, it, you always end up losing. As the parent, you always end up losing. Correct, correct. Oh, well, this has been really, really helpful. Thank you so much, Josie. I think we're going to have to wrap up there. I'm sure we could probably talk all night and I'm sure that I'm going to be on the phone to you at some point in the very, very near future, picking your brains on other things. But if anyone's got any questions and if they want to sort of learn a bit more about what you do and they want to reach you, where can they find you? So I normally uh, run a lot of in-person workshops, but taking the situation that we're um, in, that isn't the case now. But all my workshops are moving online. And actually due to this turns in situation, I've slashed the prices quite dramatically for the period that is now to, to support parents. Because I know there's been many parents that are going to want to enjoy this time and do a good job and feel overwhelmed. And this is not, guys, about feeling bad about yourself, like you can't cope or you're not good enough. Forget all that. There's ridiculous feelings. You don't need to worry about all those things you want to feel better and you want to you know feel like you've got an action plan we're planning some time we can have a conversation together and I'm not about feeling making you feel guilty or judging you we're all doing the best we can do if you've listened to me today and got some tips amazing I learned them from someone else some time ago it doesn't mean that I am some knowledgeable human being and you're not it's just that you haven't maybe heard them yet so we can do online workshops we can do one-to-one coaching online video online I've also got some one-day workshops online sort of 90 minutes in the evening just quick conversations for people to join and listen to and you can follow me on uh, Instagram, Positive Parenting with Josie. My website is positiveparentingwithjosie.com. My Facebook is the same. And I also have a Facebook group. And another thing I have, oh, I'm sorry, I keep talking, is something I'm really, really super proud of, actually. I love that I have this because it's just brilliant, is a subscription service called Josie's Inner Circle. And it's a subscription service where you join a small group, fairly small group of other wonderful parents who are all trying to follow a positive parenting journey. And each month I have a different topic that I discuss and I do lives and I have guests in there. It's an amazing group. It is an and amazing I'm, um, group. I'm really, really proud. It, it is. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Yeah, you offer real value in the group. It's, it's excellent. And that's on a, a sort of monthly subscription basis, isn't it? And then your free group as well, I think is is definitely worth people signing up to because you're putting loads and loads of resource in there at the moment stuff that you found that you are sort of recommending to yeah I've bombarded it it's brilliant though, <laughs> so yeah. I was just conscious oh thank you I was conscious that we're all you know going to be in a challenging situation basically anything that I found online to do with ways that we can entertain our children there's amazing different things in there so it's positive parenting with Josie space it's called and it's a free group on Facebook feel free to ask to join and I'll just accept you and you can have a look at all of that information brilliant okay well listen Josie you say stay safe won't you stay stay indoors keep washing those hands and I hope you do really enjoy this time with your children I'm I'm sure that we've all kind of come away from this conversation feeling a lot more uh, empowered and positive so thank you for that and I'm sure we'll hear more from you soon thank you Josie thanks bye